Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. But guys, before we do, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. What year is it? It's 2024. <laughs> it? 2024. Okay. It's 2024. Clayton is stumbling into <laughs> I'm like, 2024. I'm like, oh, gosh. All right. So before we get into this passage, I everybody's like, where's the question? I got a question. All right. Here it is. If you were perpetually surrounded by one aroma besides your natural smell, which you and everyone around you could smell, what would it be? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, this is a weird one. Thanks to Clayton. <laughs> Thanks to me. I did pick out this question. I uh, hold, hold on a second. <laughs> is there an assumption here that we like our own natural smell and that why it's? it's but you can't you, smell you just, your natural. You just get smell. used to it. You don't. You don't. Yeah, you don't know I, how don't, you smell, I don't know if that's usually. true because sometimes at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I reek. Like, yeah, no, oh, I don't ever. Gosh, I, don't ever reek. I do not like my own natural odor. <laughs> So that's my that's my that's, that's your New Year's confession. So, I just want everybody to know. What smell would you rather smell like then? <laughs> I don't think this matters. I'll say anything because don't you ultimately go nose blind with any smell? Like you just stop smelling it after a while. You do. And the the the, the fr- question kind of said you also smell it, but I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that just means over time you get used to it, it becomes normal. So and other people smell but it the too. Other, other so people no smell matter it. where you go. Doesn't you matter what bring, context. You bring a scent with you. That's right. So essentially, is what do you want to be the scent of your life? Yes. I need to think about this further. Clay, <laughs> yeah. do you have an answer? Uh, I'm the sort of person who, when someone else is wearing a scent, you know, if they have like a strong perfume or cologne or something, and I'm around them, like that will like set off a headache for me. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm one of those people. So I don't want to inflict that kind of thing, you know, something where someone's going to be annoyed, even if it's an okay scent. Um, so I feel like it's gotta be something mild, but I was trying to think of like, what are the pleasant things that people like to be around like baking bread or I like, we, uh, I came home one day and Michelle was cooking bacon and I was like, Oh, what a great smell. But some of those things I think would, would wear out. You know what I mean? Like if I always smelled like cookies or brownies baking, I don't know that it'd feel the same. Like, Oh, what a great smell as it does when you walk into a room that has that when it normally doesn't. So you feel like you would lose that. You would lose that. Like the, the truly good smells that you're like, Oh, that's great are only good because you only smell them sometimes, right? Mm. I think you need something pretty mild or something that's not very offensive, like mint or something like that, where you're like, eh, it's not going to totally bother me or What's whatever. What's your favorite tea? Ooh, well, like an Earl Grey tea. There you go. I love that smell. Smell like Earl Grey. Ooh, I might smell like Earl Grey and not know it. You might, because you always it. drink it. Drink a lot it's just, of it. it just oozes out of your pores. Oh my gosh, oil of bergamot. Oh, it's just so good. Wow. That just got intense. I had... Glazed. Oh, hold on. Lemon. Oh, shoot. Now I can't think of the name of it. It was a tea flavor today. Glazed lemon cake. Ooh, I, I do actually like that one. It's it, pretty good. It, it feels pretty like crazy. If you, put, yeah. if you put sugar in it, it feels what like... What brand it's, of tea is that? Tazo tea. Really? Is that how you say that? Yeah. Yeah. So I... During the winter, I like to drink warm drinks, but I don't want to drink coffee all day. Yeah. So in the winter, I drink my morning coffee, but then for the rest of the day, I drink tea. 
And so I went out and got every flavor of Tazo tea there is. So in our office area, there's legit like 15, 16 different flavors <laughs> of awesome. coffee. Yeah. And so I had the lemon, the glazed lemon pound cake today. And it's like drinking Willy Wonka tea, man. It's like, <laughs> holy cow, that is liquid lemon pound cake. I it's crazy. So you would want to smell, smell like, like that? that? No, I don't want to smell like that. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Brambleberry. Brambleberry? What is that? What is that? What I don't know. Another tea. <laughs> and nobody really knows. And so when I walk into a room and someone says, what's that smell? I'm going to say brambleberry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. Nikki? Um, my answer was honey. Um, because I, I love the smell of honey. But then like I kind of second guessed it because then you might have bees following you around everywhere. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. I mean, my 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 natural smell is apparently pretty good. I remember. Oh my god, I gotta tell you. Eric's like, no, I stink. Nikki's yeah. like, no, I smell good. I gotta tell you, there was one day. Uh, this was like before a service, and our decal worship pastor uh, Cindy is is back there with me, and she just. It, it was just one of the most awkward moments, but it, it truly let me know that she loved me. Um, she she just walked over to me and she went like, if you can envision this, like walking up to somebody and going, like, and smelling them, oh, like she did that. And I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, I don't know. You just always smell like clean clothes. And it's just so great. Like, I just love when you walk by. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> okay. So what well, detergent? Yeah. What is that? This, this it's just tight. It's, it's tied. Just, it's just and, tied. She smells like tied. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just really interesting. But I was like, well, if I could, I don't know, combine that with honey because I love to smell honey, then maybe that would be <laughs> even <and> better. Tied. <laughs> honey and tied. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. So any any guy that is dating one of my daughters, one of the things I do is. I want them to come sit at my dinner table with my whole family because that's an experience in and of itself. And I want to see if they can handle being at my dinner table. And so there was this guy that one of my daughters was dating who was a college football player. And so whenever whenever he came over, it was always after working out or after practice, right? So it was always like he would always shower uh-huh. and then come over. So l- legit, his hair would always be wet from the shower. So he had just just showered and came over and the dude wore a lot of cologne so we're at the dinner table with like my whole family and some of my other kids boyfriends or girlfriends so the table is like extra chairs at the table a lot of people and this is the first time he's having dinner with the family and i look at him and i say hey anthony i hope you don't think this is too forward but you smell fantastic And he rolled with it, and he's a great dude. Uh, oh. But I cannot believe that someone else on staff sniffs you at work. Yep. Like that's got to be an HR violation. I mean, all. it happened. <laughs> although I, although for someone who helped draft the policy manual, I don't think the word "sniff" appears <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> Maybe in Clayton's uh, position paper it was, on drug use. It was. It was, it was Cindy. Or huffing, it was but. Cindy. There is there is nothing wrong with Cindy coming and smelling you. So. All right, Clayton, what passage are we looking at? All right, we are at the very end of the Gospel of John. We are in John chapter 21. We'll start in verse 15. Let me give you a little context here. So this is after the resurrection of Jesus, but a lot of things have happened leading up to that, obviously, Uh, but in particular for Peter. So uh, before Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm about to die, Peter insisted, no, you're not. I'm going to go with you, and I will be with you to the very end. And if you do die, I will die with you. 
And Jesus calls him out and says, actually, I know what you're going to do. You're not, you're not going to be able to do that. Um, instead, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times. And then that's what happens. So, uh, <laughs> hey, we, got, we got actually ready. have wow. a fitting sound effect for the Bible part. That's awesome. Um, so if you've heard the story, uh, Peter is there, and he denies Jesus three times, and then the rooster crows. And Peter feels this great shame of having uh, failed to live up to his boast, but also fail uh, his, his friend and Savior, Jesus. And so... Oh my gosh. It's, I'm in the zone right now with the, the sound effects. Oh my gosh. It's so great. So now that has happened. Peter has has denied Jesus. Jesus has died, but then the tomb was empty, and they now know Jesus is alive. But Peter and Jesus have not had an interaction yet. So Peter and the disciples, uh, at some point after Jesus has raised from the dead, they go fishing. They're, they're fishermen as by trade, and so they, they go out and try to catch some fish. They're having some hard time. Um, and then they, the morning comes, they look on the shore, Jesus is standing on the shore, and Jesus says to them, hey, throw your net over here, they catch a bunch of fish, and they haul it in, and for the first time, Peter is like standing face to face with Jesus, and they're having breakfast of fish on the beach, and it's wonderful, but then things kind of calm down, and there needs to be this moment of truth where Jesus and Peter interact with each other after what Jesus has done. And so that's what's going on here, and we're going to start in verse 15. Oh my gosh, dude. Just kidding. I'll read it. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. All right, let's talk about observations. What do you guys see in this passage? The first thing that I picked up on was the fact that Peter was hurt. Um, and, you know, Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus asks him three times if he loves him. And the third time, when I read Jesus, or Peter was hurt, I thought, I wonder, was that hurt like a... Did he, like, go back to that moment 
where he felt the shame. Was he disappointed in himself? Was he was he embarrassed? You know, um, and and to me, I I just thought it was a really, it's a really good thing that they that he highlighted. Um, I also thought too, like, well, surely Jesus was hurt, you know, when when Peter denied him. But then I thought, well, maybe he wasn't because like he knew it was going to happen. You know, so to me, I guess I'm just I'm processing out loud. Like, I think it's significant that they mentioned that Peter was hurt, but I'm trying to like figure out like I wonder where that hurt came from. You know. Yeah, it's certainly. I, I mean, it's deliberately bringing Peter back to that. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's very calculated that Jesus is going to ask him three times, and so it's got to be related to that that feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. Part part of my response to the. Did Jesus feel hurt that he was abandoned? I think the answer has to be a resounding yes. Right. Because the, what Jesus experienced on the cross was a comprehensive experience of all of the consequences of sin. So there is nothing we can possibly experience in life that Jesus has not felt or endured. So the abandonment, the loneliness, the betrayal, all of those things Jesus was aware of. And, of course, you know he felt them. Yeah. I wonder here... When I, when I get to this episode, I wonder if before this conversation, Peter knows 100% whether or not Jesus knows fully that he denied him three times. Oh. Well, I know they catch eyes. They catch eyes, yeah. The, he, he looks over after he does it, and, he, and Jesus looks at him. Right. So, so, so Jesus looks at Peter after Peter has denied Jesus three times, and that brings back to Peter's memory, oh, Jesus predicted that I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. But nowhere in there does it say Peter fully – Peter knows that Jesus knows that he denied him. You follow me on this? Yeah, yeah. It's I'm, not, I'm speculating right now. It's not clear – like Jesus is overhearing this, so Peter is clearly like, oh, gosh, he just heard what I did. It's more just, okay, he happened to lock eyes with Jesus. Oh, it, it made it worse. Now I feel you know ashamed. But, but Peter has to reckon with, oh, no, Jesus really does know. Look. Yeah, when, G- when Jesus asks him the third time, do you love me? Yeah. He's sitting there having this meal and going, oh, he knows. He knows yeah. that and I And this is not about anything times. other than that. Yeah. Like, this isn't some other kind of conversation. No, it's clearly he's talking about that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so my observation here is um, that when he says, you know that I love you, the next thing Jesus says is feed my lambs or take care of my sheep. He, various ways of saying the same thing. He, he gives Peter an assignment, which to me is... Um, is striking because it's not the step that I thought would happen right away, right? Like when when someone is um, saying sorry for something they've done, they're making amends for something, they're they're owning up. The the first thing you do is not jump to, okay, let's go and do you know this thing. Like there's there's usually some sort of intervening, like you're forgiven or whatever. But there's something about what Jesus wants to say, which is like the way he conveys Peter's restoration is by saying the assignment still stands. Like when I called you to be a disciple, to to be, you know, be a representative of me, to care for my people, it still stands. It hasn't changed. Like that's a that's a unique way of of saying you, you are forgiven and restored. What's even more striking though to me is not only does he like reinstate his you know assignment or say it still holds, but Peter affirms his faith three times and then Jesus turns around and predicts his death. Yeah. Like Surprise! Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, it's all going to be okay. Well, you're if forgiven. You thought the denial thing was bad. Yeah, I do, I do think it's striking that 
Peter is not just restored to a relationship with Jesus. He's restored to his purpose, yeah. which I think is a, is a big thing that, that sticks out here. Yep. Uh, I'm also intrigued by the conversation about the other disciple. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. There's, there's something in it when he's like, because when John, because it's the, it doesn't say this here, but it says that it's the disciple who wrote this down. So it's John. Um, but when John says, well, Jesus said, you know, if, if he wants to be alive until I come back, what's that to you? John has to clarify with everybody like, hey, guys, um, just so you know, he didn't literally mean that I was going to be immortal. You know, like, I, I'll probably die here. So, like, can you get off my back about that? <laughs> Enough with the immortality questions. He was just making a point. Yeah. I wonder what I would think or do if God told me when and how I was going to die. That would have been a good banter question for this episode, but <laughs> what would you not, do not quite as lighthearted as we normally go. <laughs> right? But it, it's kind of along the lines of the question, if you could know when you were going to die, would you want to know? I just, it's fascinating to me that Jesus tells Peter how he's going to die. Yeah. I, I want to go back to the, the thing about the other disciple. It's an interesting impulse that Peter has when he is there hearing from Jesus about his assignment that he turns and is in some way trying to measure. I don't know if it's him comparing, saying, like, I, I want to know, like, is he getting a better assignment? Is he also going to have to go through this? Or if it's kind of just deflecting, saying, hey, I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable about this. Can we change the topic? And, you know, let's, let's talk about his, his calling in life or whatever. Like, I, I'm, tr- I'm wondering what is inside there. I, I know that we all have that impulse to say, well, how does, how does what God's asking me to do compare to what other people are going to do? But in this moment, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, what, what is Peter wrestling with that he would suddenly bring that up? Uh, am I getting a worse assignment because of my previous failure? Yeah, there there That's is possible. A, like, yeah. how, where do, where do I fit in this? Am I, have I lost lost status because of what I did? Yeah, like what what's his tone? What's his posture? What's his motivation behind the question? I thought I thought about the two of the measuring up. Like, well, what about well, what what about him over there? What are you gonna? What's he got to do? You know. I like the last verse. Uh, there's just something kind of beautiful and cool about yeah. John ending it by saying, you know, if the whole world. Like, if we, we wrote down everything that Jesus did, the whole world wouldn't be enough to contain it. And you just wonder what all those things are. And and I'm, I'm sure not all of it is, like, these crazy miracles that we just haven't heard of. I mean, some there might be plenty of those that we're going to hear great stories of. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I, in a strange way, I think about the small moments. Like, John wrote this short biography of Jesus, specifically selected things to prove a certain point about Jesus. But John was Jesus' best friend. Which means in the same way you can tell a story about your friend and something funny that happened or a time that, you know, you got lost and this happened or, you know, like so-and-so did this and it was really great. Like, he's got a million of those. Just ordinary life with Jesus. In some ways, I'm most curious to talk to the disciples about that. Like, when we get to the he- to heaven, to the new creation, yeah. I want to be like, all right, just tell me what the normal stuff was. I, I want to know. What was it like to hang out with him? Did you tell jokes? Yeah, did you tell jokes? Because yeah. we don't have a lot of his jokes. Yeah. Well, don't you know now? What's the What's the show that everybody's watching right now? <laughs> oh, The Chosen. Yeah. Can't yeah. you just know the normal oh, moments just watch by it. watching The Chosen? Yeah, they figured it out. They filled it all in. 100% accurate. Yeah. You know how we know that John was Jesus' best friend? 
How? Because John says so, which always fun, <laughs> which, which I always find a little bit much. Okay, John, you were knocking down a few pegs, brother. We have no way of checking till we get to the new heavens and new earth. All right, let's go on to one of the M's in comma. Let's talk about message. What? How would you take something from this passage and sum it up as a principle for your life? My message is pay attention to yourself. And I'm, I'm not going to go in any more until I get into the application. application. Pay attention okay. to yourself. Ooh, a little teaser. Uh-huh. I like it. Okay, mine is from this text, and it's also because here we are doing the first episode of the new year, and I will say it's not the calendar that gives you a new beginning. It's Jesus. Nice. All right, my message is the solution to regret is facing it with Jesus. So sometimes I think we think the solution to regret is avoiding it or moving on from it, but it's facing it with Jesus. All right, let's go on to the second M in comma, which is meditation. And for this meditation, I'm going to give you 45 seconds to ponder the question that Jesus asked Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? And this, there may be all sorts of ways to respond to that, ways that that strikes you. But I want you to ponder, if Jesus were asking you, do you love me? How would you respond? Let's talk about the A in comma, which is application. What do you do in response to your message? All right. So my message is pay attention to yourself. Uh, So my application is um, I'm I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't be concerned about the well-being or the salvation of other people. But what I mean is that sometimes in our Christian faith, we get so focused on and concerned about what God is doing in other people's lives. Um, that we miss what he's doing in our own life. And so when he, when Peter asks that question, well, what about him? And Jesus says, well, if I want this and that for his, for his life, what is it to you? You must follow me. Um, I think that when we get so focused on other people, you know, uh, the blessings that they get that maybe we don't get or the things, the way that they walk in their faith that maybe we're not, we don't feel like we're measuring up. Uh, we lose sight of God's plan and purpose for our own life. And so to me, it's, it's, we need to pay attention to ourselves. My message is that it's not the calendar that gives you a new beginning. It's Jesus. And so this is somewhat related to, to Clayton's message. I think it's to do, to do the real work of really owning stuff and really bringing it before the Lord, seeking his forgiveness and, and moving on. There really is no other way to move on. There, there are so many other games we try to play, whether it's re-explaining a situation so many times that we try to spin it in our own heart and mind that we didn't do something wrong or that we're the victim. And it's all of these other exterior circumstances that are to blame, not me. There's all these different games that we play, and none of those games lead to a new beginning. If you want a fresh start, it's about 
facing it, getting forgiveness from Jesus, and moving on with the assignment he has for you. Yeah, my, my application is along the same lines, basically the same thing. Uh, I, I'll add just this. If you don't do that, if you don't do the work of saying, I'm going to face it squarely and let Jesus deal with it, you are doomed to repeat it. So as we go into a new year, when you're thinking, I'd like to do things differently this year, that's a that's a normal good impulse, um, and this time of year prompts that. Um, you know, it's not about you know can you keep your New Year's resolution, but like when you're genuinely saying, I'd like to chart a new path. If you haven't done the work, it means you haven't dealt with it, and you will fall back into it. It doesn't matter how good your plan or your intentions are. Um, it's it's getting this moment like Peter had that allows you to move forward and and past it. Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. Happy